Bird and they got married about two weeks ago. Welcome back. You can't see them. I can see them up there. We had a lot of fun at their wedding day. It was great. Well, we're going to continue with this series, uh, Essential, that Chris started out last week with. It was a, I listened to it on the podcast. It was great. But before we get there, what a week it's been, eh? How many people went to work, work for a full week? Were you unfortunate? <laughs> Unless, of course, like some people, you work from home. But... <laughs> But uh, my wife, Eileen, and I, we both work at uh, a further education college. And we, you know, we went in on the Monday because we only lived seven minutes away. There was no excuse for us not being there. So we got there, and then they sent us home. And then they said, Tuesday, you don't have to come in. So we stayed at home, which was great. And then Wednesday, I think, yeah, Wednesday, we went in on Tuesday. Then Wednesday, we were off. They sent us, said, don't come in. Thursday, we went in. Then they sent us back home again. And I rang, <laughs> I rang the office. And I said, hey, Chris, uh, how are you guys doing? Are you in? He said, yes. I said, well, I'm at home. Oh, you teachers, yeah, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> so it was a really truncated week. You know, a week where we kind of, we got started, then we stopped. Then we started, then we stopped. And we managed to get here this morning. The snow's been we're in great. So it's been quite challenging. But this morning we're here, and as I was saying, we're going to start, continue with the series Essentials, which Chris started last week. I love the message, and when I listened on the podcast, I had to just take a few lines out of it. I had to extrapolate just a few lines. So Chris said this, you know, why are we doing this series? It's so that we might have greater clarity for the 21st century about church. Chris reminded us about the fact that Jesus didn't give us 613 different laws to keep. If you weren't here, you'll have to listen to the podcast to get what that means. But he just gave us two laws. You should love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength and might. That's the first one. And the second, you should love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus kept it simple. He kind of just said, love God and give his love away. Those are the two things that we need to be doing. And that's his yoke upon us. It's light, not heavy. Well, this morning, we're going to look into the Acts of the Apostles. And the book of Acts is like the birth, the explosion of the church. In Acts chapter 1, Jesus now having dealt with sin and Satan and sickness... He's risen from the dead. He's about to ascend into heaven. The disciples are all there. And he says, now wait in Jerusalem for power from on high or the Holy Spirit to come upon you so that you might have power. And they're there waiting, of course. And you can get the full story in Acts chapter 1 if you go and read it. We're going to come into Acts chapter 2. The Holy Spirit has already fallen. Peter, with the twelve, get up and he preaches a sermon and every, sermon would lo- every preacher would love to preach a sermon like this and 3,000 people get saved in one hit. But that's exactly what happened. They went from 120 to 3,000 in one hit. So we're going to come in now. And you imagine, you see, there's 120 people that were in the upper room. You read it in Acts chapter 1. And they go for, to, to a church of 3,120 in a day. I think that would cause us a challenge, wouldn't it? <laughs> You know, I think Chris and Fizz and the team, oh, what are we going to do with all these people? But they absorbed the 3,000 people. And what we're going to look at this morning is some of the, the things that they did, some of the characteristics, some of the essentials of church life from the early church. So let's read Acts 2, 42, 47. You'll see it come up behind me. 
Obviously, if you listen to the podcast, you can't hear it. You can't see it, but you'll hear it. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, that is teaching, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together, and all had all things in common, and sold their possessions and goods, and divided them among all who had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. So what were these essential activities that this exciting, vibrant community gave themselves to? Well... I'm going to mention about seven of them very quickly. The apostles' teaching. I'm going to unpack that for you. Fellowship. The breaking of bread. Prayers. Reverence for community life. Signs and wonders. And being a gathering, caring, worshipping community. I'm going to go quickly because obviously if I was to preach every one of those points, I'd never get back up on this platform again because you'd be here for a long time. So what I want to do is it's homework. So I'm going to throw these things out and the scriptures will be up there. But but you get those scriptures down and like the Thessalonians in Acts chapter 17, you go away and see if these things are so. So I'm giving you a takeaway today. Yeah, pizza, pizza with extra mozzarella and all that stuff. All right. Okay, let's look at the first one. Apostles' teaching. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. What does this mean? They took time to understand some key aspects about their faith. And you know what? Kind of church I used to go to, we spent a great deal of time just on number one. The apostles' doctrine. Teaching. What people need is more the word. Well, that means certain things to certain people. You see, if you're a Baptist, that means that you're going to study that Bible and you're going to love the texts, but it doesn't mean that you're going to do anything. But we're people of the word. I love the word, but the word is Jesus. And the word is supposed to cause us to do, do things, not just study it and have an intellectual encounter with it. So let's just look at this. It meant repentance from dead works, faith towards God, baptism. Laying on of hands, the resurrection and eternal life. Now, I cannot impact all of that this morning because this is just the first point. Yes, it's just the first point. I said, I can't pack all of those. But if you look at Hebrews chapter 6, verses 1 and 2, you'll see that these are the, the basic things. You know, repentance from dead works. What does that mean? That you cannot appease God by being good. All have sinned. This is what Paul said. Whether you think you are religious or whether you think you are unrighteous, you know, you just live loose. Well, either way, you can't commend yourself to God. And by the way, when you actually get into this Jesus thing and become a Christian, whatever that's supposed to mean, well, what that means is that you become a follower of Jesus. You can't try to live your life to just get him to love you. A lot of Christians, we work, 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 hoping that God will... Love us just a little bit more. Well, the truth is, whether you work or not, he loves you for who you are. Understand this, that he loves you because you're a son and you're a daughter. 
It's who you are, not what you do, which is the thing with God. You know, I love my daughter, Rachel. I love my son, Stephen, because he happens, they happen to be our kids, you know, my kids. Now, there may be times when I might not feel like loving them because of their behavior. But the truth is, I love them for who they are. And God loves you for who you are. So you'll never be able to please him. Because he's pleased with you anyway, because of who you are. So, repentance and dead works. Okay, faith towards God. Our faith is not in people or in things or in formulas. It's in God. It has to be faith towards God. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, you know, he became sin. Who? Jesus. So that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So, that work at Calvary, when you put your faith, when you put your trust, when you believe in that work in Calvary... That's faith towards God and that the, the sin that was in you is dealt with because you put your faith in what Jesus did at the cross. And because of that, you now have God's righteousness imparted to you by faith, not by works. And Paul had a big debate. So did Martin Luther, you know, you know later on in the Reformation, that this faith we have is not by works. You can't work your way there. It's by faith, faith towards God. Now, I'm going to come quickly. Baptism. Now, in scriptures, if you start to look at baptism, there's obviously water baptism. And in Matthew 3, you see Jesus, he talks about two things. John says, look, there's one mighty and I coming who's not going to baptize you just in water, but with the Holy Spirit. So that's one baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's an empowering one. But also there's water baptism as Peter said it's a sign of a good conscience towards God. So when we go down into those waters of baptism, we're saying bye-bye to the old life and to the new life. It's symbolic. Good to understand that. So that if you are not baptized, you understand why you should be. And if you are baptized, you understand why you did it. That was good. (laughs) And the other aspect, of course, is there's the baptism of empowerment. God coming and filling you with his Holy Spirit just as he did Jesus so that you can be and you can do all the things that God called you to be and to do. Laying on of hands, which is not when you beat someone. I'm going to lay my hands on you, boy. <laughs> not that uh, Some of you understood that. Some of us were getting healed up over that. <laughs> but, but, but it's... When we pray for people, you notice we're up the front, we lay hands. There's, 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 it's laying on of hands for an impartation. Yes? Either of, of his Holy Spirit or of a gift. It's a very important part of what we do. And particularly when we set side, people aside for the ministry, I to serve God, we lay hands on them. And we pray because we believe there's an impartation by the Spirit that is taking place in that action. The resurrection. Paul says if there's no resurrection, there's no point in us being here. 1 Corinthians 15, 1 to 58. Go read it. It's central to what we believe. That we will, we will rise up from the dead. We will, and we will have new bodies. Oh, read it. You know, sometimes I wish I could get you know. Ah, the resurrection. Yes, it's going to be great. Of course, obviously, if the Lord comes first, then obviously there won't be. Because you're ready to be alive. But you'll get your new body in an instant. Yeah. Whoa. You know, you can move through the galaxies. <laughs> you know, you know when I used to, you know you used to watch Star Trek and you know they look at the screen. Maybe you've got that kind of screen saver where it's just stars. So I know I look into Stephen's room, it's stars, and you'll be able to to boldly go <laughs> with your new body to explore this amazing galaxy. 
And of course, eternal life, because you'll need eternal life to do it, because it's going to take you all your life to do it, to explore the, the, the universe. You know, the wages of sin, we know, is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life. And it's a life. It's the quality of life. You see, I have to tell you this. Whether you love Jesus or not, you're going to get eternal life. It's the quality that's going to be different. You know, oh. You know, because we were built to live forever. Do you know that, don't you? It's only because of sin that we don't live forever. But this body should go on. But eternal life, to, to be there in his presence. Ooh, this morning in the worship, you know, I was there, man. I said to the guys, I said, man, I was in heaven, man. I, I was in a different planet. I was like, I couldn't breathe. It was like, whoa. And I'm thinking, I'm in my natural body here and I feel like this. What is it going to be like when we've got our new bodies and we can do this forever? And explore the universe. And if it's true what some people say, there's going to be houses and all kinds of things in heaven. Well, I want to check it out. Yes, I can't wait. So these are some of the things where they meant about their apostles teaching. And they gave themselves to it. And they did it steadfastly. And I would encourage you, find out more. So that you can give a clear account of what you believe and why you believe it in a succinct way to any who would ask you. Now, next one is fellowship. And they continued steadfastly, not just in teaching, but in fellowship. Now, what does this word mean? In the Greek, the word is kainonia. Why would you care? Well, it's just useful so that you can, you know, because, you know, preachers, we love to kind of show how much knowledge of the Bible we know and the studying that we've done. But the congregation really don't care. It's actually, it's the truth. And Richard and I understand that, you see. And some of us are preaching Chris, Chris etc. But the point is it actually means to communicate. Now, I remember that when we were talking about fellowship, and there will be some fellowship after the service, this was genuinely meant that we would have a cup of coffee, a cup of tea, and a biscuit. Some of you are sniggering, and you know. And that was fellowship, yo. But that's not what this is talking about. It says when you look at these people, let me give it to you this way. Allowing people to have refrigerator rights. Allowing people to have refrigerator rights. This is Craig Grishel, I think it's how it's pronounced. How churches and leaders can keep it and get it and keep it in his book. And he talks about those people that are in your life. That if they came, look, let me give you an example. My daughter has a good friend called Heidi. They've been friends for a long, 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 long time. Like they were like when they're little kiddie weeks. One day, Heidi, I'm sitting down in my settee and I, can, I got a through lounge. You can see straight to the kitchen. And I see Heidi come into my house. Go into the fridge, no, freezer, and take out my mango sorbet. <laughs> I'm like, what are you doing? I love my mango sorbet. I don't share that with anybody. She, I, I said to Rachel, don't bring your friends in. Oh, sorry, I ain't the Jamaican there. But don't bring your friends into my house to eat out my food. Just because they don't have any food in their fridge. So you see, now you understand refrigerator rights. Who would you allow into your life that if they came in and they went into the fridge and made themselves a nice sandwich, you wouldn't go, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. Actually, I remember Andrew Mills there. I was at Andrew's house one time, and he said, Andrew and Chris's house, and I remember going into this cupboard, and Andrew came out and said, what are you doing? <laughs> I remember it. I said, it's all right, Andrew. I'm just looking for some cups. I'm not taking them. <laughs> We're good friends. What we're saying is getting emotionally naked together. Oh, you like some of that. Some of you like that. Some of you are like, oh, I'm not sure. But <laughs> in other words, 
we're not afraid to make ourselves vulnerable. Now, you're not going to be able to do it with the whole church, but there are three or four or five people that you interact with where you can tell it the way it is. This is fellowship. This is connecting. You see, in a congregation this size, you're not going to get to know everybody that intimately. But when we fellowship together, we connect. It's not just a cup of tea and a piece of cake. That's just the start. You know, you tell people, well, things aren't going too well at the moment. I'm struggling with such and such. And you know you can do it because it's safe. We're fellowshipping, we're connecting. We're doing life together. That's what life groups are all about. I'm just so glad they changed that because we're doing life together. It's not just a matter, we come together, we worship, we read the word, we ask if anybody wants prayer, we eat cake, we go home. (laughs) I've done that too. (laughs) Doesn't work. Because when the time comes, has anybody got any needs for prayer? So everybody's great. Great, we'll go home. <laughs> or we go eat cake. No, we do life together. There's sometimes when you come to life group and you're pretty beaten up. You know, you've been to work and it's been tough. Or you and your husband have had an argument. I know no one in this church argues, but the truth is we all do. <laughs> yeah. You know, you come to church and it's been, it's before you got there, it's been a bad scene. But you get to the kinship group and you're thinking, oh, the life group. And you're thinking, shall I tell them or not? No, we'll just do happy families. And then, you know, you get into your little groups and you say, how's it going? Terrible. We just had an almighty row. And no one goes, well, really? You're a Christian. And I mean, you had that kind of reaction. Well, I don't know. (laughs) Which is what we used to be afraid of. But no, we can be real. And you're going to find there's mercy and grace. Not judgment. And, well, I never thought it of then. Really. I think you've got it. So we receive, when we do life together, affirmation, encouragement, admonishment. Someone admonishes you, says, I hear what you're saying, you know, we'll pray for you, but I think I need to have a little word with you on that and hold you to account. I'll develop that a little later. And of course, we receive prayer. Now, breaking of bread. Now, we, we had it this morning. We called it the Lord's Supper. But if you go down to 1 Corinthians 11, 23 and 28, you can read that, you know, we're remembering Jesus' death. We're remembering what his blood has done for us. And that's the formal side of it. However, I get a sense that it was more than just a, a kind of formal thing. It was actually a call. This is my interpretation. A call to hospitality. Because in the early church, they kind of had a meal. In fact, in 1 Corinthians, trouble is things got out of control. Some people had loads of food and some people didn't have any food. And those who had loads were like, you're not having any of mine. So Paul says, look, the Lord's Supper is something that we can all enjoy together. It was a meal. So it was a call to hospitality. Because when you have a meal together, you relax and you chill. (laughs) Eating together builds relationships. Builds waistlines as well, but it builds relationships. Yeah? You know, when you eat together with people and you have food and the wines are flying, people begin to just interact. I know the church we used to go to, we were really good at eating together. The only problem was that we ate together with everybody in the church, no one outside it. So every Sunday we went to a different house and we all had food and it was all great, but we never had people from outside involved. 
But eating together is good. And that's something we need to work on. But, you know, home group. I remember when we used to have a home group. I didn't know what church we used to be. We, used, we planned it, man. We had, we had barbecues up at Wendover Woods and about 25 of us. And in the winter when we couldn't go out, we just worked out a program. Every six weeks we would be at a certain home and we would have eaten food. And I tell you, the group grew. Not just physically. <laughs> but the group grew because just the eating together just brought us together. I always remember a guy, we used to call him, well, we called him Big Bob. And he wasn't big by accident. But we never saw Bob getting eating. But Bob, what Bob would do is he'd sit right by the table, man, so he didn't have to move to get to the food. <laughs> mm, some of you, that's maybe a strategy you use, I don't know. But the thing is this, that eating together, that breaking bread together, there's an intimacy that comes. I know New Year's Eve, we, kinda, we went a meal at Chris and Fliss's and there was a group of us there and we had food. And it was great. There's just that it's just fellowshipping and enjoying one another's presence together. It's, it builds community. Prayers. And they continue steadily in the apostles' doctrine, fellowship, and in the breaking of bread, and in prayers. Now, three types of prayer I want to talk to you about. Formal corporate prayer. Acts 4.24, it says... And when they heard this, now what happened was that some of the apostles, some of the, the guys that got in trouble with the authorities because they were healing the sick and people, and the, particularly the religious community, were upset big time. So they, went to, they threw them in prison. So when the church came together, it came together for a reason to pray, corporately. And they all prayed together. And there are times when we will, as a community, will come together to pray about specific issues. I particularly like this approach because, you see... I, the church I used to go to many years ago, they still meet Friday night, 8 till 10, for the prayer meeting. And it's always been that way. And I'll say it's wrong, but I just like what Chris, Chris is slant on it. Chris said, look, man, let's get together and pray for a specific time, for specific things. And then once that season is finished, we can do something else. And by the way, we, we have our what's it, watchman prayer going on all the time. But the church came together for something specific. So there was corporate prayer. But there's also what I call informal prayer. That's the anytime, anyplace, anywhere, which is not martini prayer. <laughs> Some of you remember that advert. <laughs> but informal prayer. You know, when someone comes up or, they, or someone rings you up and they're in problems, so you just pray for them on the phone. Good friend, Andrew and Christmas. How many times, Andrew, on your journey did I pray for you on the phone, mobile phone as I'm going off somewhere? We would talk. Many times, just, right, let's just pray now, Father. And we just pray on the phone. Yeah? You know, you don't have to be in a religious place. You can pray. You know, it's interesting, that, that incident in the paper about the nurse who offered prayer for the, for the patient and all the nonsense and fuss about it. I'm thinking, what is wrong with these people? You know, you know, and when, you know I had to kind of get a grip on myself. You know, we are a Christian country, blah, blah, you know. But I had to just stop that. But the point is that they don't understand. You know, if I'm being in the hospital, obviously I can go in there as a pastor and pray for people, etc. But if I've prayed for people at work, in their office, you know, and they're in pain, and they're in sorrow, and they're in brokenness, and you're not going to think, well, maybe this is not... You, you just go with it, and you go for it. And you pray for people. I think, I don't know if you said this morning, I was, let me think, it was a couple of weeks back. Just on the course restore, with a bit of being on the course restore, I'll tell you a little bit more about that maybe another time. It's a great course. And 
I'm coming out from work. I've got my case. <laughs> I'm walking up the road and I see my neighbour. And uh, she's got a kid and we're just talking. And we start to talk and we kind of just go d- deeper in level. She only lives across the road from me. So she said, well, come in and have a cup of tea. So she starts to talk and, you know, I said, well, I'll pray for you. Presence of God comes. I start to cry. She starts to cry. Something is happening. This is God. All right. I think she started coming here every Sunday, actually. I wasn't here last week. She said, oh, I was there. It was great. You see, informal prayer, anytime, place, anywhere. The key thing is this. Be available. Be available. Be available. Okay, and there's individual prayer. And you can look at the Lord's Prayer there. And I, I think a number of weeks back I talked about how we, can, how we pray individually. God is our Father. We want to honor him in the way that we live. We, we want to be, you know, we can look at that as a model of prayer. So these are some of the things when we talk about prayer that was essential to church. Then reverence for the community. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now, what is it? That word fear doesn't help us. What it means is reverence for the communities, that's it. Now, what does that mean? It meant that they protected the unity of the community. Now, that's a good rap. Yeah, unity of the community. Yeah, they protected the unity of the community. Paul put it like this, Ephesians 4, 3. Be eager and strive earnestly to guard and keep the harmony and oneness of the spirit in the binding power of peace. Friends, this is a, what we have here is like heaven at times. The community, it just, it's just, I just sometimes have to pinch myself. Thinking, Lord, how could it be? You know, you know the team, particularly the staff team, it's a, it's a dream team. There's a sweetness. But we have to protect that. We have to work for it because we're human beings. And they as a community, they protected that. They, reverence for the community means that you, we're loyal to one another. And we defend the, abs- the absent. You said, what do you mean by that? Well, loyalty, that's obvious, isn't it? But defending the absent, I have to confess something. I remember... We had to go to New Wine one year. There's a gym over there, so, you know, and Carolyn we used to go to New Wine, to enjoy it with our kids and all the rest of it. Great. And, and if you've been done any camping or caravanning, it's stress city. You know, Eileen and I, we are not in a good spirits by the time we get there. And that particular one, I was not in a good spirit. You know, Eileen was like, where's the caravan? Because what, happens is, what happened was the guy was supposed to bring the caravan onto the plot. When we got there, it wasn't there. Duh, duh, duh. We were tr- but you, you know, oh, stress. And I, f- I, was, I was not in particularly great mood. And I was, gonna have a, I was having a moan. I, was, I don't moan that often. Well, no, that's true. Not true. I didn't tell you the real truth. <laughs> yeah, we all have our moments. And it was Mike Haldane. Yeah, Haldane, yeah. I was having a moan to Mike Haldane about Ireland. I was saying, I don't know what's wrong. And Mike just stopped me. He said, Dan, it's not fair. She's not here to defend herself. He rebuked me, bless his heart. But he was right. She wasn't there to defend herself. So why am I having a go? Yeah? Oh, some of you, you know. (laughs) Yeah? And when we're a community, people will speak against Chris and Fliss, speak against 
the leadership. They'll just do it because they're jealous and all the other things. And they're not there to defend themselves, so we need to learn to defend the absent. That's loyalty. It's the same if you're a husband and someone's running your wife, or a wife and you're running your husband, you defend your husband. You defend the community, particularly people who are not there to defend themselves. That's protecting community life. That's having integrity. That's reverencing the community. If you read in Acts chapter 5, when two couple, a couple didn't, pretty serious things happened to them. They died. That's Ananias and Sapphira. But you can look at that in your own time. So reverence for the community. Ah, signs and wonders. They put you know, wonders and signs. Well, ah, what are signs and wonders? What are signs and wonders? They are demonstrations of God's power over sin, sickness, and Satan. They're demonstrations of God's power over sin, sickness, and Satan. It's undoing the works of darkness. 1 John 3, 8 puts it like this. The reason the Son of God was made manifest or visible was to undo, that is, destroy... Loosen, dissolve the works the devil has done. When God moves in power and signs away, what he's doing is undoing what Satan has done. You know, if you come along to the healing place, what's it about? It's about signs and wonders, about God undoing the works of darkness. If you get onto that restore course, ah, oh, it's a great course. It's undoing the works of the evil one. What you need to understand is the enemy is aware of of the fact that that we have tremendous potential. And he spends a great deal of his time to make sure that he can stop you ever fulfilling your potential. So when you have an encounter with God and the enemy's works are revealed, that means that you are loosened up and free to be and do what God wants you to be and do. And... I think it was, it was it Lucy when she came up a couple of weeks, three, four weeks back and mentioned about her, how God had healed her. What did it do in the community? And I did it in my heart. Faith rose. Yeah? I was like, yes, our God is still alive and he still heals people today. Yeah? So signs of wonders are very important. They're important for us and it's important for what it does in the community. It causes faith to rise, expectation that God is able to set us free, to be and do what he's called us to be and do. A gathering, caring, worshipping community. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as, everyone, as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. So why did they like to be together? Why did they like to hang out? <sighs> they experienced the presence of God together. They experienced the presence. This morning, we experienced the presence of God together. Man, if I didn't have to preach, I'd have been happy this morning. Not because I didn't have to preach, because I was in his presence. I just felt him just healing my heart and making me whole. There's something that happens when the people of God come together. The God's presence comes down. 
It heals our hearts. It refreshes our souls. It increases intimacy with God. It increases our sense of gratitude. And it powers us up so we can take his presence out into the community. That's why they like to get together. That's why they like to gather. I remember when I was growing up, they used to quote us, you know, Hebrews chapter 10, 24, neglect, don't, you know, don't neglect coming together as is the habit of some. But all the more, you know, but get together and all the more as you see the day draw near. And they used to use that to make you feel guilty if you didn't come to church. <laughs> hmm, some of you don't come from that background, okay. But the thing is this, that we want to get together because we experience God's presence. So that's a good reason to come. I know that sometimes Isla and I were a bit fraught in our relationship and we come to church and, you know, it's a bit, you know, we're not touching, you know, we're just, we're in here. And by the time we've been in here and we've worshipped God, we've come out and we're like, oh, hello, baby. <laughs> yeah? What's happened? It's because of the fact the presence of God has softened our hearts. Yeah? Well, someone enjoyed that. <laughs> Here's the next thing. Everybody had a sense that they belonged. Why did they like to get it? Because it, it, they all, everybody had a sense that they belonged. You could belong before you believed. It was that, what we used to say to people, welcome home. When people come through that door, whether they know Jesus or not, whether they're on the journey, we want them to feel welcome. They feel that they can belong. Wherever they are on their journey, whoever they are in that journey, whatever their background, their ethnicity, whatever, when they come in this place, they want to feel welcomed. They could feel, yeah, I could belong to this community. I could be a part of this community. Because people invested their time and energy to ensure the needs the less well-off were met, it was a caring community. And we all have resources in here. Now, when people, people have used that passage in Acts 42 as a basis of socialism, you know, and all the rest of it, you know, yes, everybody had everything in common, blah, 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 blah. Go away. It was nothing to do with that socialism. And what we found out was that some people were more equal than others or less equal than others. <laughs> what it's about is the fact God has given us resources. You know, St. Albans has the highest percentage of people that earn over 100,000 a year than any other part of the country. Did you know that? I just happened to glean it on the news. Point is that many of those people are going to lose their jobs through no fault of their own. They're going to go from a lot of resources to no resources. People in our own community may well be may well experience redundancy, loss of job. We as a community, with the resources that God has given us, we need to ensure. And I love what the guys on the feed program, I think it was Richard, said. We want to make sure on the feed program that no one in St. Albans is hungry. Well, in the community, we want to make sure that if people have needs, that we can meet them with the resources that God has given us. You know, true prosperity is having an abundance so you can meet the needs of others. It's never just hoarding stuff together. God only gives us more so we can give it away. So it's a caring community. And it doesn't have to be... Now hear this, you know, so-and-so has a need. No, (laughs) it's done. In fact, it goes on anyway here. You know, we have a benevolent funnel. It goes on quietly. It goes on surreptitiously. So we don't take away the dignity of the individual. Yeah? 
So in conclusion, ooh, I think we're good. Now that's a preacher's clock up there. It's going slower. <laughs> it's true. So I said, Christian, I'm trying to be tight here, but here we are. We're going to come into the conclusion. We're coming down to land now. So what were some of the activities the early church considered to be essential that will give us greater clarity so that we can make the main thing the plain thing as we develop this community right finding out what we believe and why we have courses for that let's find out what we believe and why we believe it but let's not spend all our time doing that I know there's churches that spend all their time they they know the bible inside out upside down but it doesn't stop there we're not just here to improve ourselves doing life together let's do life together friends you know if you're not you're not feeling good about what's going on i hope that you will never be able to get out of here and someone not get hold of you and say hey i haven't seen you for a while what's going on with you you know someone when you share your stuff they're gonna jerk your chain chris has jerked my chain many a time and I'm so glad for it. He's covered my back. It sounds, don't sound, it, it just means, okay, you share such and such now, blah, blah. Maybe you need to make you accountable, yeah? We need that. That's doing life together. You know, my son, he, he had a crash in his car last week, I think it was. And he was fine. It was okay. It wasn't his fault. And he was upset, man, because he loved that car. Yeah, I tell you, love is the right word because he cried. <laughs> My son doesn't cry, you know. But God was so gracious. The guy he bumped into didn't want to go for insurance. I hope no one's listening to this. <laughs> because he was already in trouble for another thing. So the guy gave him 1,300 quid cash. And he bought the car for 1,200. Result. <laughs> That's my boy. Yesterday, we went up to Nottingham to pick up his new car. You know, it's a Honda Civic. Sport S 1.6 red, right? With a little help from his uncle, he got a new one. So he had, oh, you know, God is good, that's life, you know. Building relational hospitality and inclusivity, yeah. So, you know, breaking bread together isn't just we just break bread, we build relational hospitality, remembering this that it's that we may well be we want to welcome strangers. Hebrews chapter 6, 1 and 2 tells us about, look, you may have entertained angels and you didn't know it. Like what we do on Christmas Day with the meals, fantastic. Learning to pray together and for one another, corporately and individually. Caring, covering, protecting and providing for each other. Community life. Engaging with God so that his power sets us free. And you know, some of those courses that we, I think Essentials 102, uh, Spiritual Dynamics, it's all about teaching us how to engage with God so his power can be released in us and through us. Then a gathering community, a worshipping community, where we experience God's presence, where everybody belongs, where we look out for one another materially as well as spiritually. A caring community. How did God respond to this type of essential church activity? And with this we close. He gave them favor with the community. 
I'm thinking, I said, Lord, the church is relevant. It's happening here. Chris, you can confirm. Are the local authorities contacting us to help us with this, that, and the other? Because they recognize they can't do it on their own. And when you have this type of community, the, the secular or the outside, the local authority, they recognize that something's going on. Maybe they could help us. Before, the church was not relevant. It was all gas and gators with glasses and guys with buck teeth. That was, you know, it was horrible. <laughs> uh, you're the minister. Uh, you know, no. Uh, you know, that used to get on my wick. Here, we've got a church that's relevant. That the local authorities want to come and say, can you help us? We need help. We see that you're doing stuff. Now, our focus is on the gospel, but we'll do what we need to do. And finally, he sends people so that the church grows. You don't have to have an evangelism campaign. People will come. Because when you've got that kind of community, it attracts people. People are in pain. People are in problems. People have got issues. People who want to belong. Some essentials of church life. Let's stand. Band, if the band is available, if you could come up, that would be great. Father, we want to bless you and praise you for what you are doing here in this church. Father, we ask you that these essentials that we've seen here this morning of church life, teaching and fellowship and relational, as it were, hospitality, prayers, looking after each other, your presence in our midst may become characteristics even more so in this church. And Lord, we ask you that you will draw people to yourself. That you'll give us favor with the local authorities so that they can taste and see that the Lord is good. That there is hope. There is peace. There is love. There is joy in your house. And we are a cared cared for community because, Lord, you are our Father. And you hold us all in your hands. And we give you praise. And we give you thanks. For all that you're doing in us as a community and through us. And Lord, we give you all the glory.